Thank you for your practice. So by uh, paying attention like this to the present moment and getting lost and starting over, very slowly, uh, it's not exactly the intention. The intention is really just to connect, is just to feel what is happening, not think of, very important, uh, not think of. Uh, this. I'm not sure that in my teaching life I'll be able to clarify this really well for Certainly not for everyone, but I think it's amazing that we're so invested in thinking. We can really be there for 20 minutes of sitting, and we might think we're there and just be thinking about meditation. <laughs> you know, I really like this. I should do it more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it makes sense. I like this collecting device expression of it. You know, when the actual um, practice is very simple, but it's a particular field of experience. It's a kind of pre or post-conceptual. It's not wordy. It's an experience of life. It's an experience of the temperature of the room, a direct experience of sound, or of the quality of the heart, whatever is there. You know, if there's lightness or neutral, it's non-reactive. If the mind is non-reactive, then just noticing, oh, non-reactive feels like, oh, agitated, frustrated, impatient, joyful content feels like this. I put words to it now, but the practice is not to put words, it's to, you can put the little words to frame the experience. Oh, what's happening? Calm. So I put a little word, but really the energy is into feeling the experience of calm. And calm that becomes joyful, or calm that becomes sleepy. You know, and what is actually al- alive, the passage of sounds, high sound notes, low notes. I don't have to think of it like this, but just experience it, right? So this is the what we're doing here. So any sense door is fine. Touch, feeling the feet right now, for example. So that's what we're doing by doing this starting over, starting over, again and again, slowly what happens is these beautiful qualities of mind are developed. Curiosity, calm. So this kind of energy comes in the mind. Interest, curiosity for what's happening. This is really good. It brings good energy to the mind. And it also calms the mind because we have to pay attention. We have to calm down to really hear the sound to really notice the quietness or the agitation. So it calms the mind. So when we're doing this, we're also moving away from the difficult patterns of mind. So if the device is not building well, if it's not happening, you might recognize this just in the sitting now or in your practice in your life. Suddenly what appears is it's not the interest that is getting developed and the calm that comes, it's rather the doubt I'm not doing this right, everybody's doing this. These are natural tendency of the mind when it doesn't go towards uh, the... when it moves away from the practice. So the doubt will appear, a desire for something else, to be somebody else, to be somewhere else, uh, not liking what's there. Oh, why did I come here? I should have gone somewhere else. You know, and we'll see like the mind gets... uh, it gets difficult for the mind. So we can always recognize this in 
say like, hey love, talk to the mind, the heart. Can you notice something happening? The toes, can you notice your toes? You know? And suddenly, slowly, we learn how to stay there, feel just the tingling in the toes now, the touch, the warmth, whatever is there, or the movements of the belly. And so the mind learns to do this. We're not trying to acquire this. We're just trying to know what's happening. That's the only thing we do. Say, can I hear the vent? To hear the vent now, there has to be a little interest and a little calm to really hear it, yeah? So this is amazing because just this we can bring to our life. You know, we can bring to the meeting with the grandchildren, the partners, the, you know, to our relationships and there's plenty of them. Even if we're alone at home, we're in relationship with the upstairs neighbor (laughs) or the, you know, people who are not calling us or whatever, you know. We're always in relationships. So we can bring our attention to this. There's always some quality of mind that is acting, doing the grocery or waiting somewhere, or experiencing insomnia during the night. There's always some quality of the mind-heart that is there that might be a good idea to get to know well. You know? So this is the practice. So what I want to talk some today about is uh, how, as Bunny was saying, this uh, data collecting device. I'm actually not sure about the word collecting because we're not collecting, we're just, it's touching. You know, we don't have to keep anything. It's just coming through. You know, sounds appear, disappear, sensations are known. But we, uh, it's the quality of encounter that is really important. When the quality of encounter is uh, more refined or of a higher quality, and this we don't, we can't will this. It's what we call practice. When the quality of the encounter is more and more clean, clear, away from what I would like and how it should be and what I was going to turn out and am I going to get there, like when all this falls away and there's just the hearing. So we can start to recognize this it's a a word that you might use is the word intimacy it seems like there's a proximity to what's happening there's really a feeling of the hands you know there's a discovering like hands wow there might be an experience of contentment or joy like wow hands amazing it's alive so when this refines and the mind gathers in this way and becomes a real data collecting device this is what we call the door to insight and the beauty of this that's one way to talk about this and it's a personal way maybe because very alive for me these days is we start to get touched by how alive everything is I might have talked about this in the last visit I was like in the teaching we talk a lot about impermanence and somehow it got a little dry for me, this word. Like, it's hard for me to hear. I've heard it too much. So I was paying attention. I was like, what's, what's this impermanence in experience? You know? Suddenly it appeared to me, oh, what's touching about this is it's alive. What, when I have a clean mind, mindfulness is there. 
anything that my mindfulness encounters reveals its aliveness. So feet is not so much the idea of feet, but the tingling, the aliveness in there, the touch. Sound is alive. Yeah? Hands are alive, they tingle, they're moving, they're dynamic. Yeah? And the mind is alive, it's knowing, it's actively knowing, it, the knowing is unfolding. The calm becomes alive. It's not just calm. It's an alive calm that becomes more vast or that loses its strength and becomes worry. Or It's alive. And so I'm entering a world where things are alive. In my thoughts, things are not so alive. This person is like this. It's always been like this. This is how they're gonna, always going to be. And, you know, and things become a little solidified, like me. I'm me, I'm Pascal, I was Pascal 25 years ago, and I'll be Pascal hopefully in a few years again, you know, this kind of Pascal mm, is a concept, is an idea, and when I pay attention, Pascal becomes like so many things, it becomes like worry, calm, it becomes Pascal, good meditator, a few seconds after, Pascal, bad meditator, you know, good teacher, bad teacher, like it flickers. Everything starts to flicker is a word I would want to use. As I'm teaching, my perceptions of myself change depending on who I look at. You know, I look at somebody, I'm like, oh, I'm bad, I'm not doing this well, I'm not clear enough. I look at somebody else, oh, I'm opening hearts here, you know. <laughs> and I ca- more I'm attentive, more it's like, wow, even everything is flickering. But it does take some quality attention, and this is developed. So the ride is not free. One has to invest a little time into this. And why would one do this? Why would one want to see the flickering nature of everything? Well, I'm fine in my world. I like my thoughts. You know, I'm totally uh, satisfied with my thoughts. Or are you? You know, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> Probably not so satisfied, you know. So why would want want to get closer to the flickering nature of things? Because what it does, surprisingly maybe, is it opens the heart. That's what it does. By noticing how things are changing uh, on a moment-to-moment, like for me just now, it was so uh, vivid again, not again, in a new way, actually. It was the flickering moments of consciousness. There's a moment of hearing a sound from the street. It's kind of irrelevant what it is, you know. So hearing like a truck or car pass by, some vibration. And two seconds after, this moment has flickered away, has, is gone. Seconds ago, I'm... Suddenly I'm interested in my cup of tea that is unreachable next to me, you know, because we're in the middle of the meditation and I can't have access to my tea. And that seems really important and alive and serious. And two seconds after, the belly is rising. And that moment, vivid, really real moment of me and my tea is actually completely gone. It's dreamlike until it appears again, you know. But do you see a little bit what I'm talking about, how 
flickering it is. So for example, now if I say, uh, I'll show you something that is really flickering, you might not have known this before. If I say, feel your feet now, do you notice how they appear in consciousness? Just a few seconds ago, they were not there. They were inexistent. I'm not talking about like reality from the outside and from another point of view. Like somebody could say, no, I watched your feet was there the whole time, you know. <laughs> it might be true, but I'm talking from the human experience, from the point of view of a human, from inside a human being. That is what the Buddha seemed to have been interested in. It's like, pay attention to the experience within a human being. And you'll see how human beings tend to create with their thoughts solidity to things. And the more you get quiet and attentive, not caught entranced by your thoughts, but aware of them, you'll notice how reality is extremely flickering, so much so that your feet appear and disappear all the time. They might actually disappear for many hours in one day. And, s and at some point, whoops, they reappear in experience, in experience. I'm not saying that this, I don't know, they might have been there the whole time, but in your human experience, they disappear. People around you that you love disappear all the time, and they reappear in your thoughts. Why would one want to see the flickering nature of reality? In my view, this day is very alive for me. It's even almost giving me goosebumps to think about this, as I feel like my practice is bringing me closer to death and life, to both, because they're inseparable. So when I notice that people I love disappear from existence many times a day, and I can be touched by the existing and disappearing nature of reality. I feel that I, I might be able to think some about death, the moment of death, and what's going to happen, that people die, but somehow I don't it doesn't register as deeply as when I notice what we call insight. With <coughs> quality attention, I notice the disappearance and reappearance of things in my life in a moment-to-moment -moment way. In this way, I'm touched, deeply touched by the fact that things are ephemeral. They appear and disappear all the time. And so my sense is I'm getting closer to death. It doesn't, it doesn't seem so stressful to me anymore. It seems actually very natural. It's what I'm observing in life all the time, that things do disappear and reappear. And in this way, I feel like I'm getting a little acquainted with the ephemeral, uncertain, shaky, unreliable nature of everything. When my thoughts seem to look for security, look for certainty, look for solidity, look for all this, my insight, my mindfulness is revealing to me all the time that things are shaky. If I think about the shakiness of the world, it's pretty stressful. If I enter it, with attention and care, suddenly it doesn't feel so, sh so stressful, so confrontational. It appears more natural, and the heart releases in that. It's like, wow, amazing. Things have been appearing and disappearing the whole time. And if I know this well, then maybe my heart will be at ease more with the real uncertainty of reality. So when suddenly there's a diagnosis or something that I, you know, something that seemed a little permanent, 
reveals its unpermanent or shaky nature, maybe I'll be able to say, of course, you know, of course health, of course relationships, of course it does that, it's unreliable. It I've seen this for hours in my meditation. I've seen the world appear and disappear, parts of the world phenomena appear and disappear all the time. Do you, can you intuit something of that? I think this is not so far from the teaching of the Buddha. He was saying, pay attention, pay attention, you'll see how the world is uncertain, but your heart will be okay with it. By this door, through this door, you'll be able to be touched by it deeply, not indifferent, not like, uh, oh yeah, that's how it is. No, not, it will be more like, oh my good Lord. It's there all the time. It does, it's not just appears that day when I go to the doctor or that day when this person actually dies. It was there the whole time. I was living in the middle of it, not being aware of it, because caught in my thoughts. I have this to do, and I have that to do, and, I have that. and suddenly, oh my God, the uncertain uh, happened. It was happening the whole time. You know? And I can actually tune in into this. And this practice is known to free the heart. So the practice reveal maybe the uh, impermanent, dynamic, ephemeral, unsubstantial, dreamlike, flickering nature of the world. Anything, thoughts, sensations, perceptions, ideas, everything passes. So it reveals existence and disappearance, so existence and death. Practice reveals this. And in the other way, a daily reflection on death can help uh, bring somebody to pay attention. This question that I'm po posing, that I'm asking us, I'll do the you, but I'm asking myself at the same time, do you know when you're going to die? Do you know when? Do you know the exact time? Do you know how? Do you know what will be the condition at the moment of your death? Do you? I don't. Do you know that you're going to die? <laughs> not me. <laughs> Everybody else for sure. But not moi. <laughs> Yeah, I'm using the word synonymously today. Attention, uh, high quality. It's a particular kind of attention. Huh? It's an attention that is non-judgmental and non-acquiring. It's not looking to get something. It's not uh, judging what's happening, wanting something else, or thinking that it's not good enough, or that you know. It's not. It's curious attention, non-judgmental. That's what we call mindfulness. Yeah. So this attention, like sustain, it's kind of a high higher and higher quality with practice it develops, it gets to know more and more, <coughs> sometimes it, we have a certain quality attention for a certain range of things, but don't bring this 
to my in my sight. I don't want to see that, you know. And so as we strengthen the mindfulness, it's wider and wider. It can take on the whole of reality, any aspects of it. Yeah. And so what I'm saying now is that so there's the mindfulness that will bring us very close to the existence and disappearance of phenomena so that we can get acquainted with uh, what we call death, you know, the appearance and the disappearance of anything, consciousness, uh, sensations, uh, thoughts, ideas of self. You know. uh, and through reflection, you know, through reflection around death, for example, suddenly... Uh, I don't know if it does th what it does to you when I say that. Do you know you're going to die? Are you aware of this? Do you know when? Do you know uh, what are going to be the condition? I don't know what happens for you when I say that. I would be curious to know what happens to you when I ask this question. I get a feeling of alarm. Alarm, huh? So there's something that wakes up. It can come with fear, but it can come also with um, kind of revealing the preciousness of what's happening. Oh my God, I have a human life, you know, and here I am with my list of things to do today, you know, and like as if this was so important. Yeah, yeah. And so it can actually shift priorities and values or it can bring forward the values that we had forgotten, you know. It can, wow. And so this, uh, yeah. With fear, it's more difficult because suddenly there's like it can create anxiety and stuff. So we have to be careful with the use of this. For some of us, it's maybe better not to reflect on this right now, you know, these days because it, it creates a, a struggle, you know. But the sense of uh, there's a word for it in Pali, Samvega, it's uh, urgency like, oh my God, this life is precious. What am I doing with it, you know? Like, totally attached to that story, you know of what happened three weeks ago, you know, it's like, wow, life is escaping, you know. What, where do I want to put the attention? Yeah. And so the attention reveals existence and disappearance, and reflection can help us uh, bring more beautiful values back in the forefront of our lives and maybe practice itself. I actually want to pay attention. I see as I sit the sense of self so flickering, so appearing and disappearing all the time. As I said, thinking I'm a good teacher, I'm a bad teacher, like how, how I'm born, you know, as a good teacher and die as a good teacher. And suddenly I'm born as a bad teacher, you know, in this context, but in my life all the time. I'm, I see how the mind identifies with one thing after another. Sometimes I think of like, a, you know, a monkey jumping from one rope to the it's like so I'm totally fused and identify with something I have to do after the core the class today you know I have to do this and I'm me I have to do this you know and a few seconds ago after I've let go of that rope completely whatever it's called not rope but in the jungle vine, vine branch yeah right so <laughs> I've let go of that one and my sense of self has attached to something else suddenly my breathing I don't know what, not the best breathing, I have to improve my breathing, you know. And suddenly it's like become Pascal, is, is born as this one, and it's really serious, and that's me, who are you? I'm somebody who needs to improve their breathing, you know. And two seconds after, who are you? I'm somebody who has things to do after the class, you know. And my, my sense of self has no 
no worry, like it completely lets go of the last thing and totally attach itself to the next thing. And that's really who I am, you know. Just completely t- took birth in that new thing, you know. And uh, do you see, do you recognize something like this in your life? Like suddenly you're totally like self-righteous about an opinion. You've taken birth into an op- I am the one who thinks that this is not the way you do this kind of thing, you know. And ten minutes later, completely gone, and suddenly you're, you know, I'm the one who, whatever, you know, the worst one. Or like a Zen uh, teacher said, she said she would say, "Me, this turd at the center of the universe." You know, <laughs> so kind of she's born as this unworthy being and really attached to it. And somebody was like, no, you're nice, I love you, you're generous, you're beautiful, you're intelligent. No! <laughs> I'm the turd at the center of the universe. Do not try to <laughs> release me from that, that identity. You know? <laughs> and so in practice, in practice, we start to see this and have a little humor around this. Like, oh my God, look at this. The sense of self is completely... I was born at th- as this one. You know? and, then it, and maybe we'll notice that we do this to others how we give identity to others, you know, and really hang on to it really deeply. It's amazing. So we can notice this clinging, how we get invested in things. Like this, maybe some trouble you have in some areas of your life, you know. Here in this room, it's not there. There's just light here and this temperature and the guy speaking about stuff. And it's possible that even if it's not there, that thing, you'll call it back. This is what we call clinging. But you don't understand you know, there's this thing going on in my life. You know, it's not there right now, but it is. You know, and I'm, I'm joking about it. I'm not. I don't want to be judgmental. We have to be really caring about this and compassionate, but also, you know, be sober enough about it. You know, saying, "Oh, oh my God, it's true. I'm sitting here. This thing is not there, but I don't mind. I'll call it back with thoughts." You know, I'm not in that, uh, you know, conversa- difficult conversation of yesterday, but I don't mind. I don't mind the person's not here, it's a different place, it's a different time. I don't mind any of that. I'll call back the conversation and I'll live in it, you know, because I hang on to it. You know? And so in practice we can see that, oh my God, like, I don't want things to disappear. If they do, the conversation has disappeared. I don't mind. I so want it to be permanent that I'll call it back with my memory. You know, I'll make it alive now, and I'll say the same words, and you'll say the same words. <laughs> yeah? And so in meditation, we wake up to all this. We wake up to all this, not in a judgmental way, not in, not in order to produce more self-hatred. Oh, let me hate myself for doing this right now. No, just by, uh, you know, becoming really aware of what's happening, awake, but also caring. Oh, look at that. Oh, of course the mind does that. Of course, you know. Of course it clings like this and it gets all wrapped up and wants to tell the story and live in the story again. Of course. But then, as we are aware and compassionate, we're not feeding this behavior anymore. We're letting it go. We're letting existence disappear, you know. We're letting things pass as they did. We just hadn't noticed, you know. Anything around this question? Or You're talking about grieving, really, aren't you? Loss and grieving. Just yeah, it could be grieving, but it can... I mean, in this... Pra- mm-hmm. I think the French word better, maybe. Oh, that letting go, letting that, oh, 
somebody disappeared, the flickering. Yeah. Yeah. So there might be a sense of, uh, a, I mean, grieving. The way I hear it is like some kind of sadness, being deeply touched by the fact that things pass, moments disappear. But it can also be an experience of joy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's we don't know what it's going to be. We just check it out, you know. But it could be like, wow, look at that. Mm-hmm. The whole time it's flickering. It's kind of uh, ephemeral, dreamlike, and I make it so solid. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you know, of course, if my, uh, some things are l- harder to let go of, you know, beautiful moments, might, there might be a little ouch in the letting go. But noticing that I actually don't have to fix my entire psyche and self and ways I behave just because for a moment I think I'm bad, you know, that this is a, this is a flickering thought and I don't have to buy into it and construct all my life around the fact that I'm bad, you know, that, oh, I like that this is flickering. I like to notice that this perception is flickering. It's re- it's liberating to know that, oh, I don't have to hold on to this and I don't have to be ashamed and feel guilt about, like, I can actually notice, oh, this is just an idea that crosses the mind, you know. Yes. And I, yeah. I was just noticing that death is the big flicker. The death is the big flicker. It's it the appears to be the big. Uh, it appears to be the big one, but my, I don't know. I don't know because you know, give me a powerful, bad diagnosis tomorrow morning, and maybe I'll, I'll get a little bit more real. You know. Yeah, but what I was going to say is, I think this practice, at least for me, I'm noticing that it's a kind of, maybe you said it, a preparation. Yeah. That's yeah. one way to think of it. A preparation for, not for death, but for all the small deaths that might happen in a day. Yeah. And for the relief that it brings to have cultivated a witness to that. Yeah. The relief. Yeah. Yeah, because we, we learn how to be in balance in the middle of constant loss, you know, and we practice with small losses of moments of hearing, yeah. of moments of thinking or feeling certain, you know, beautiful mind states, you know, and they go away and we learn to be balanced. And so when something a little bigger comes, I'm like, oh, I've practiced this, you know. And when something really big comes, maybe I'll be able to say, whoa, giving me vertigo, but I've known this. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. And yeah. Okay. I'm letting it go. It's gone. Yeah. And the mind, of course, will hang on, you know. And so we have to be very compassionate about this, not judgmental. But, oh, yeah, of course, this one. You know, all the others during the day, I don't mind, you know. That the last mm-hmm. bite of food is right. gone, you know. I don't, I'm fine with that, you know. Yeah. But that I lost this, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think partly we practice so that we can prepare for the losses because there's going to be big losses. There's no doubt. It comes with, you know, and some of us are in the middle. We know this really well, you know. And so, and so again, I 
like I don't want to make it seem easy. Like I talk about it maybe easily, you know, but this is really, this is the deepest things in our lives we have to meet, you know, so it's not, it's not easy. I m might make it sound light, you know, but I want to recognize that this is very uh, deep practice, you know. I think contemplating these things when one meditates alone is very different from contemplating these things or observing them in a sangha. Mm. So tell, 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 tell us about the difference that you see a little bit. You, in a sangha, I think my awareness is heightened that it is a common, supposed to be kind of experience that everybody goes through yeah. and it is the way it's supposed to be. Um, I, can, I think we all tend to build less of a story around it than when we're alone yeah. with those thoughts. Yeah, yeah. So in the Sangha, the universal nature of loss and flickering nature of that is highlighted. Huh? It's universal. We're all in this together. That's part of the opening of the heart. So instead of these thoughts or these um, recognitions or realizations, instead of bringing a cynicism or shutting down or resentment towards life, it uh, can open the heart. This is compassion. It's like, wow, we're all in this together. I'm not so separate, you know. It's not so much of a me separate from the world, you know. We all go through this. So this is liberating, right? It is, it, yeah. The universality of it is, the awareness of the universality of it is increased, and I think it's helpful. Yeah, this is what we call wisdom, when we recognize that it was not so personal, it was universal. Wow, this is liberating. And at home, sometimes we tend to make things more personal, so we can be aware of this. This is the job of mindfulness, to say like, oh, look what it does with this, with the same kind of thing the same realization, the same reflection or contemplation as you say, it makes it suddenly, it creates fear and isolation and why me kind of thoughts, you know. And so we can wake up to this. So when you're home next time and the reflection like this, like, oh, how can I bring the Sangha? How can this be liberating instead of entangling? You know, how can this, instead of creating stress and isolation, can create... Uh, proximity, intimacy with the world. And so, and we learn to do this, so that alone then we can do this, so turn these realities into liberating insights. So that's the practice. Great, thanks. So, and we see in this that the world doesn't change. We haven't fixed the insecurity. <laughs> it's still insecure. It's still uncertain what's going to happen, but then it's fine. It's natural. There's something about it that can be with this. And then we gain confidence. We gain stability of mind. All the beautiful qualities are inviting in. Do you see this? The beautiful qualities of mind come in. Oh, and they can even be joy. You're smiling. You know, like I can be in the middle of these reflections with uh, some kind of sweetness to it, you know. And as opposed to it producing doubt, can I be with this, I can't, isolation, all the difficult mind states. So this is really the job of mindfulness, is to use what is happening and create beautiful qualities of mind with it. So that's what we do together when we sit together and what we learn to do in our practice. It's amazing. And then not only is it better to be in one's own heart and mind, it's also something we can bring to the world. 
So that's how we're going to contribute to the death of somebody in the family. We're going to become an agent that maybe can help stabilize things instead of creating, creating more drama, you know. But we have to do our inner work. You know? I just wanted, uh, like, how the, uh, how does time play in the, in the reality or in concept of, uh, is it the a bad thing or like I, uh, time bothers me, <laughs> so like right. I, I, I just uh, in meditating, how does like how does uh, mindfulness deal with time? The notion of time, the experience of time. Hmm. I think, I mean, what I would say now, what comes to mind is that suddenly we might be able to clarify that past our whatever we call past is actually a present fabrication you know it's a it's a thought when i think of me when i was a child i in mindfulness i won't be entranced in the i'll be i'll be aware that there's a production present time production of images and states of mind that it's here that the melancholy here it's here that the images are appearing it's a uh, it's you know so i so the the notion of past will be really clear that it's actually not happening it's present time happening and that future is speculation me dying alone in my you know whatever it is is a projection it's only a creation of the mind and so there's a liberation from that it's like oh i don't know about that it's uncertain but now it's being produced. And maybe the other thing I would say is that in terms of being attentive to the present moment, I'll see its flickering nature, how it's escaping all the time. Try to stop the present moment. It's unstoppable. The impressions just keeps coming. Impressions of the senses, impressions in the mind, it just keeps unfolding. Try to stop this moment. So it's, there's something evanescent or ephemeral about it. Does that help a bit? No. <laughs> I thought that in two or three words I would be able to totally solve the problem of time. <laughs> I guess I'm a bad teacher. <laughs> Were you thinking about this in a different way? And you can express yourself in French if you want. Also. No, it's just that the... Like, uh, one way we're dealing with time because we we know we're we we uh, we're born and we will die. So we have this this is time. And how do I deal with time now, right here? Uh, you know, I have difficulty in, in joining. Uh, you know, in trying to say, you know, I'll let go of this. I'm in the moment. Uh, you know, but I get very. Uh, Anxious, uh, either I'm not thinking thinking anything, well, so that that's okay. I'm floating, and so like I'm not conscious of time, or then I become conscious of time, and then it's, it's, uh, it becomes a battle. So like, yeah. should I go unconscious? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I think it's maybe the notion of time is very bound to the notion of self, you know, like me in time, you know, and so this this kind of like uh, sense of s self, you know, like I was born here, like 
as a separate from the world, you know, like there's me in the world and there's the time, I only have a certain duration, you know, in the view that we have these days in the main culture is that we're as good as the time we can actually uh, buy stuff, you know, so our lifespan is, you know, between the moment you can buy your first thing until when you're not shopping anymore, that's your worth, you know. And so, but in other cultures at different times, the sense of time of self has been much seven generations before and after, you know, like a sense of a deep time, you know, that was maybe very sane, you know, sense that there is a, you know, there's a heritage, there's a passing of something, and one is inscrit in something that is much larger. These days with the, you know, individualistic consumerism thing, the, the time is shrinking, you know, and, you know, Before you start drying, and you know, <laughs> and so these are perceptions. In mindfulness, we start to see these as flickering, you know, and maybe not the description of reality, but just mirage. It appears like this, you know, sense of like, uh, you know, I use this image sometimes. You imagine a tapisserie, you know, with the, isn't there one famous one with a woman with a, li a unicorn or something? So we think that we're this little being separated, but then when we become mindful and get closer to what's really happening, we see that we're totally enmeshed, you know, we're part of the landscape behind and the unicorn, it's all the same threads, you know. And so maybe the notion of time becomes, uh, we can relax because we know we're the stars, you know, and we, you know, so the sense of self maybe become expendable and the sense of time also. And by being attentive, we can see this, that some moments have the same duration, but they go slow, and others, you know. Yesterday I read some something was saying, days goes fast, but uh, it's days go slowly, but years goes fast, you know. And it's like the notion of time is really, I think, is bound to the mind state. When I want to be somewhere else, I want to be in front over there, time goes really uh, slow. You know, when I'm toddling to something, time slows down. So with attention, maybe that becomes something also that is flickering and changing and ephemeral, my notion of time. Well, aren't we uh, like partly contradictions right now because you have, we're trying to attain an ephemeral state, let's say, of not being conscious of time and we're in a world where we're, you know, we're by the, the second uh, and uh, everything is uh, timed. <laughs> Yeah, I think that uh, you know when I say the flick, I talk about the flickering nature of the world. We can uh, learn that yes, I have to be there at that time, and also that you know we can let this uh, arise in my mind and let it go. Also, you know, and learn how to play with time, and so not be like like the little rabbit and uh, you know, ah, huh? in Alice in Wonderland, who's always caught in time, you know. So I can actually take time, say, oh, I want to be there at the right time, and then let time go, you know, and do the same thing with self, you know, to be uh, identified as me, the teacher, and then, you know, when I get to, to the next place where I'm not a teacher, I can let this go. You know, <laughs> I'm not cut. Yeah, but you don't understand. I'm a teacher. Like, <laughs> no, we're friends, and we're just supposed to talk. Uh, we're having lunch. No, I'm supposed to teach you something. <laughs> I'm a teacher, you know. <laughs> so we learn with wisdom to let things flicker as they do, you know. The identities flicker and the sense of time also probably change. Um, this isn't really a question, it's just sort of a comment. Um, 
I find this ephemeral quality in the flickering you're describing. I mean, I, I, on one hand, I, I understand that it brings us to the sense of this more preciousness of our being, but it also makes me very terrified. Very terrified. Mm. And the other thing is that the solidifying, I mean, my thoughts, I'm so aware of how I, I'm, I have these same thoughts, you know, this kind of person who is obsessed with the same stuff over and over and over again, and it's like, oh my God, here is a game. And I find that very tiring, like it's very exhausting. exhausting. So that's all I really wanted to say. I don't know if you have any insight there, but but yeah. that's really tiring. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of constant, like, oh, please, you know. Yeah. So with the last one, this kind of uh, these patterns of mind that return, these kind of obsessive kind of thinking and stuff, the job of the meditator, as I understand it, is to actually bring a lot of awareness to it, but also compassion. The mindfulness again is not a judgment. It's like I don't want this anymore. You know, what I've uh, learned, and maybe I, I think I've said this here from uh, so beautifully worded by Catherine McGee, where she says or the way I heard it was transformation does not happen in a rigid mind I don't want to do this I'm tired of thinking about this I'm always thinking about this you know it's not going to happen you know where transformation is possible is in a fluid mind so oh look at this the pain of that obsession you know the mind is compassionate it's accepting it's not feeding it's not falling prey into this but it's aware awake it's making space creating space Oh, space of awareness, look at this pattern that arises, not caught in it, you know, or take, you know, removing itself from it several times, you know, to just hold this. <gasps> it's difficult, this pattern of mind. This I understand as fluidity of mind, and that's how transformation may happen. As for the fear, the, ter- the terror that might come with these thoughts, I think. Uh, first I want to uh, normalize this it, it probably many people can recognize that I don't want to think about this this is terrifying my um, view on this is that the flickering is happening anyway but we've built a lot of layers of like self-definition owning solidifying the sense of I am there and I'm really there and I have you know, we have not noticed that it was flickering the whole time so it seems it's um, it's really a, a kind of a confrontation of my view uh, with another view, and it's that, of course, is triggering. But as we practice, suddenly we start to notice that it was flickering the whole time. I just had laid... It's not me, it's the culture, the, everything had you know, led to the creation of a permanent, enduring self, and I'm freaking out when I think about death, you know, because if there is an enduring self, what's going to happen to it, you know? When it dies, if it there's another life, it's stressful because I don't have control over the other life. And if, if there's no other life, it's stressful because I'm going <laughs> to disappear, you know? And uh, Wu Wei Wu says, uh, you know, 99% of our thoughts are our own self, and it's a creation of the mind. No wonder we're stressed, you know? It's, it's, uh, you know? But this is not... I- with thoughts, it's hard to think about this. It's really hard. This is what I'm talking about is the world of insights. It's the world of meditation. You can think about this and be sitting here like, what does he say? There's no not self. You know, it's, 
doesn't it's weird you know of course it's weird but get into it become attentive to how you know sounds appear and they're naturally known you know can release some of the identification the ownership of consciousness it's like oh hearing happens it's funny that I take it so personal you know it's totally natural that hearing happens in a human that has life you know but I think I hear but hearing is happening Oh, and suddenly emotions comes and thoughts land. You know, they're not so much me; they're known locally. You know, but in the same way that, for example, I can see the back wall, I'm probably the only one here seeing the back wall. It's not doesn't make it mine. Even if I'm only the only one noticing a thought in this mind, doesn't make it mine. It's just something that is landing here you know, in the field of that consciousness. You know. And the more we practice, the more we release, oh, I'm not thoughts, I'm not sensations, I'm not emotions. And suddenly it's like, oh, I'm not much of it. Like, and life continues, I'm not disappearing. You know, life continues, there's consciousness, there's ideas coming in, there's wisdom, sometimes there's greed coming in, and I don't have to own any of it, you know. This life is alive, well, you know. And then suddenly it's like, oh, that's the heart's release, you know. And so don't think about this, but pay attention when you put your shoes on the way out, when you go down the stairs, just see how the sensations of the feet touching the stair is going to disappear right after it's been experienced. And fine, it's not a problem. No need to be terrified by the disappearing of the sensations. Yeah. So we make it very like small step. Yeah? Thank you. I think, in my own experience, if you if something is seen as terrifying, if you bring that same awareness to the terrifying, then you're observing that, and you can the terrifying just becomes a sensation. So then it loses its whole story around it. Yeah. So it's been there like this for you. Everything, yeah, everything can be observed. Every single thing. Yeah. Single Some are more challenging to observe. Yeah. Like terror yeah. is one that is. It is. Known to for many to be not easy. <laughs> it's not. It's not, but it can be, yeah. and then it just becomes that sensation, and yeah. then you get to not be so afraid of it. This is, I mean, I've mm -hmm. been through a lot of fearful moments, a lot. Mm. So, I so when I hear you say terrified, I just I just relate to that feeling of fear and terror. Yeah. But with, with time, when it's observed, it's just it's just seen for what it is. Has that sensation of fear, mm. so everything can feel Yeah. We need to build that uh, capacity slowly, you know, with yeah. things that are not so triggering, so intense. You know. There's lots of them that are intense. Yeah. Lots. Every minute. Okay, mm. shall we sit just for a couple of minutes mm -hmm. together? And you can let the words uh, dissolve. They already did, but if you're hanging on to them. <laughs> just take a moment to feel the, maybe just the temperature, the experience of temperature on your skin.
and the breath that has a life of its own. And the sounds and hearing. And notice the state of mind that landed at the state of the heart that found its way inside there. The calm, the spaciousness, or the impatience, or whatever else. It's like this right now. Your joy. Maybe thoughts, comments are passing by, maybe not. want to, we can let uh, arise in ourselves uh, the wish that uh, we find clarity and freedom in this life, and maybe be able to offer protection through our wisdom and compassion to others. Thank you very much for coming and (coughs) considering these ideas and practicing together. It can be powerful to be in a group reflecting on these uh, these things. So may it informs our life this week. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.